Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study that is posted each Wednesday night at the time we meet in the building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ every Wednesday evening, 6.30 each Wednesday evening. Even in the Omaha area, we know there are people who want to be in God's Word. They want to study. They want to learn. They want to grow in their, in spiritually and in their faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. But they cannot necessarily be with us in person uh, during that particular time. So we're and, and then we know also that there are people who listen across the country and literally around the world. So we're thankful to have the opportunity to be able to, and the means and the ability to be able to teach God. God's Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We're, thank you, we're thankful you're there and want to learn, and we're thankful that we have the opportunity to be here with you. Now, we want to encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. But there are people in your life, and probably people you know, maybe in your own family, who need to grow in their faith. They need to grow spiritually. They need to come closer to God. Help them by sharing these studies, getting them into God's Word on a regular basis with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can on a regular basis. Now, also encourage everyone you know to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. And when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's their phone or computer or whichever one they choose, they will receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, and a daily radio program Monday through Friday called Search the Scriptures. And they will also receive a short Bible study every single day of the week, seven days a week, about 13 minutes only each day, so it's easier to fit into our busy schedules. We call that today's Bible class and really covers very pertinent and very pertinent matters that, that are taught in the scriptures, things that we could relate to in our everyday lives. So tell everybody you can. Again, churchofchrist.com and our podcasting always will be free. And it's always free to access our website for all of the teaching and study materials that are there. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha, 3606 North 108th Street. Our Bible classes begin on Sunday mornings at 930, followed by worship at 1030, and Sunday evening, we come back together at 6 o'clock for another period of worship and Bible study. And then, as we said, on Sunday uh, on Wednesday evenings, 6.30, each Wednesday evening, set aside our busy schedules, come together for midweek Bible classes. You're welcome to any and all of our services. And we do hope to see you soon. Get to know us. Check us out. Let us get to know you. And study God's Word with us. Worship God with us. Grow spiritually with us at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. And we're going to get back into our study from 1 John, and we're just about finished with this particular letter from the inspired writer, John the Apostle, God guiding him to write what he wrote. 
We've already seen that this is just full of rich instruction and material and encouragement for the individual Christian as we strive to live our lives faithfully before God on a consistent basis. Well, these last two verses in chapter 5 and the last two verses in this particular letter written by the Apostle John. He wrote, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding, that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And then the last verse he says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Well, let's break down that 20th verse next to the last verse in this letter. And so John says, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. Now, that's an interesting statement. We know that he has come and that he has given us an understanding. I want to deal with that he has given us an understanding first. When we look at Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, and I want us to look at verse 45. And this may be a verse of scripture that is rather overlooked by many, if not most, Bible students. Luke chapter 24 and verse 45. Notice what it says. And he, speaking of Jesus, now if you look at the context of Scripture there, Jesus has just been speaking. And so, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. This was on the day that Jesus was ready to ascend back to heaven. In the next few verses, he gives what we call the Great Commission, as Luke records it, and focusing in on verse 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Now, who's there again? The apostles. And so Jesus says, you are witnesses of these things. And going back to verse 45 again, the text tells us Luke recording this particular gospel account, he says, Jesus opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. That's interesting. Interesting indeed. Now, if we look in Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, and we'll want to read verse 14, notice what, what, uh, what it says here, Acts 16 and verse 14. Paul and Silas are, in, uh, are, are on their missionary journey. And so verse 14, now a certain woman among, uh, uh, among Lydia, I'm sorry, now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Now there are people who believe that that. Christianity is a religion of predestination. And when they take that to the most literal sense, and there are some who do that, they say that God chooses some people to be saved. Now, I'm not sure that they really reason out the next reasonable conclusion as a result of that statement, and that is that if God just chooses some people to be saved— then what about all those other people he did not choose to be saved? He chose them to be lost, didn't he? Well, so 
does that mean God is a God of grace, of love? We read repeatedly in the New Testament scriptures that God shows no partiality, that there is no prejudice with, within him. But if he chooses some people to be saved, but not everybody to be saved, so he chooses some people to be saved, predestines them to be saved, whether they want to be saved or not, well, then what about all those other people he does not choose? Obviously, he chooses them to be lost. That's his choice. But God is not that kind of God. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29. You see, there's no restrictions on that great invitation call. There's no restrictions on God's patience to allow people to have time to come to the knowledge of the truth and repent of their sins and come to him through Jesus Christ, being baptized for the remission of their sins, Acts 2 and verse 38. But he does not make anybody obey. He does not make anybody come. Now, he can help somebody understand, perhaps, opening doors for them, and and we can understand that as, as divine providence. But choosing to walk through those doors, choosing to respond to that understanding, that's up to the individual, the individual. Now, what do we read in Luke 24 and verse 45? Jesus was there with the apostles specifically. And if you look through John chapters 14, 15, and 16, you get something of a much more detailed parallel to what we see being fulfilled here in verse 45 of Luke chapter 24. Again, here is the setting. Jesus has already gone to the cross. He's already been put in the tomb. He's risen from the grave, and he has presented himself alive, risen for a period of about 40 days, and and showed himself risen to hundreds and hundreds of individuals. Of course, the apostles among them, repeatedly among them. And so here in verse 45, he's ready to ascend back to heaven. And he tells, and and so verse 45 says, he opened their understanding, the understanding of the apostles, that there might be, that they might comprehend the scriptures. Once again, if you go back to John chapters 14, 15, and 16, John, in that gospel account, that the setting there is the evening of Jesus' betrayal. The next day he would be on the cross. But he tells the apostles, repeatedly in that particular context, and that is one of the longest immediate contexts of Scripture in the entire New Testament. It begins with, verse, uh, with chapter 13, goes all the way through chapter 17. And so Jesus tells them that when he is gone, when he has gone back to heaven, after his, bar- after his death on the cross, burial in the tomb, resurrection, and then having appeared risen. He doesn't go into all that detail telling them, you know, all these things that are going to transpire before he goes back to heaven. But he tells them when he's gone back to heaven, he's going to pray the Father that he'll send the Holy Spirit to bring to their remembrance what he, all the things he has told them and help them understand, guide them into all truth. And again, he talks about that two or three different times uh, in, in that immediate context of Scripture, in the night of his betrayal. And so 
the apostles heard Jesus, I'm sure, tell them a lot of things but from the from the will of God, the will of God the Father. I'm sure he told he taught them many things that in some cases probably kind of went over their head because they really had a difficult time understanding the ultimate nature of Jesus, his his presence here on this earth and what he was trying to get a through to get through to them and what he was trying to help them see that he came to accomplish. He was going to die on that cross. He knew that before he ever became human while still being fully divine. But they, they were focused more on the physical than they were on the spiritual. And, and I think a lot of that was due to you know, we live in a physical body. We live in a physical realm. We're used to physical uh, things of nature. And so Jesus was here as the spiritual savior, the son of God, God the son. And, and his purpose was never to be fulfilled as his continuing to be on this earth. He was going to go back to heaven. But he was going to have the, have, ask the father to send the Holy Spirit to teach them all the things that he had taught them that they had forgotten, that they had not fully comprehended, and to bring to their knowledge truth so that they could be equipped to teach the gospel, to help the church become established upon this earth on Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, so that they could be those teachers and messengers of the gospel of New Testament Christianity that Jesus had chosen them to be and taught and trained them to be. Although, again, they, they had some problems understanding fully just what he was trying to lead them to become and, and even understand fully just exactly what he was trying to get across to them from the spiritual perspective. He was here, God the Son. He would die on that cross he would be put in that tomb. He would be resurrected, but he would ascend back to heaven. So Jesus opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. We come back to John, 1 John chapter 5, and so he says, we know that, that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, has given us understanding. Well, we look a little earlier in this chapter, and we, we saw this some weeks ago, we, we look at verse 11 in, in chapter 5, 1 John. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, that, that, that statement of faith there, that if you believe in the name of the Son of God, you have eternal life, that's not just an intellectual understanding and agreement. That is a belief that is put into action through faithful obedience on a consistent basis throughout the rest of our physical lives upon this earth. So 
we know that the Son of God has come. He demonstrated that graphically, vividly, and repeatedly during his time upon this earth. In fact, the Apostle Peter, when he was preaching to those thousands of Jewish men gathered there at that particular time on Pentecost, he told them, uh, speaking of Jesus, well, going back to verse 22 of Acts chapter 2, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And so Peter says, you saw the miracles, you saw the wonders, you saw the signs that Jesus performed while he was here in your midst, teaching the gospel message of salvation that he was sent from the throne room in heaven to bring to mankind, teaching, declaring himself to be the Savior, prophesied in numerous Old Testament scriptures. You saw him. You listened to him. You heard him. You saw the wonders, the signs, and the miracles, and yet you disbelieved. You, you contributed to his being put on the cross. You rejected him as your Savior. Well, in verse 36, Peter went on and he said, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. The Jewish leadership in particular wanted to shut the mouth of Jesus, but they could not do that by just warning him or by just by threatening him or trying to trip him up in some way. I mean, can you imagine trying to trip up Jesus, the Savior, the Christ, the Son of God. And so ultimately they resorted to having him killed, even bring, bringing false witnesses against him. So had him crucified on the cross at the hands of the Roman soldiers and with the, with the uh, sanction of the Roman government. Well, but, Jesus, uh, but, but Peter says that did not stop him from being who he is. He is the Savior. He is the Son of God. And then when many of those Jewish men on that day asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do in verse 37, then Peter responded and said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So coming back to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 20, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. Now John, the apostle, could relate to that in a much more personal way, but we can still, we can relate that to that ourselves because we have the Word, God's teachings written down for us in Scripture. Here is John, the apostle, who walked with Jesus for a period of about three to three and a half years, and he's writing this firsthand knowledge, but also by inspiration, being guided by God through the Holy Spirit to write the very truths that God wanted him to put down on paper so that we could have that opportunity. And everyone since John 
having written this, could have that opportunity to read these things and come to understand that Jesus is our Savior. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. How does God speak to us today? Through his word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, God's very word, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through, through uh, 18. So God has given us his word to guide us in his will, to help us to understand the truth of his word that has been written down by God's guidance through the Holy Spirit by men who wrote, who were guided, who were chosen by God to write those very scriptures. So we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. John says, I wrote these things that you can have confidence that Jesus has come, that Jesus is God the Son, the Son of God, the Savior of mankind. When we look at the closing couple of chapters in John's gospel account, uh, in verse 30 of John chapter 20, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life. You may have life in his name. Jesus, Jesus did so much, taught so much. John says, I write these things that you may believe, that you may have confidence that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So back to 1 John chapter 5 again, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. In Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9, we look here at verse 6, and God guided the prophet Isaiah to write this in prophecy of the coming Savior. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Ah, one of the great prophecies of the coming Savior, and fulfilled by, fulfilled by, by Jesus himself coming as that Savior. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 11, Luke wrote this, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus came in fulfillment of all of those Old Testament prophecies of the coming Savior. How thankful we should be that God, knowing that we needed a way to be forgiven, to be redeemed, to come to salvation and have the promise of eternal life with him in heaven, 
He knew we needed a way for that to happen, for, for, for that opportunity to be presented before us and for us to be able to grasp that and come to him through that Savior. He prophesied of the coming Savior over and over and over again through this Old Testament scriptures, numerous times. And Jesus, when he came, demonstrated forcefully, emphatically, authoritatively, over and over and over again, that he is that Savior. Not just because he said so, not just because he claimed to be, but through his fulfilling in minute detail all of those Old Testament prophecies of the coming Savior. In minute detail, fulfilling them. So this is Jesus, the Son of God, God, the true God, and eternal life. The last verse in 1 John chapter 5, John gives an interesting instruction, an admonition here. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idols. Now, I want us to take some time next time with just that instruction in that verse. And I want to talk about how we need to keep ourselves from idols. Now, you might be listening to this and say, well, well, what are you talking about? I don't have any problem with idols. You might without even realizing it. So I want us to talk about that as we close out this particular study. John's inspired letter that we see in the scriptures as being identified as 1 John. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for giving us your word to guide us in your will, to guide us in all truth. Help us, guide us to be living examples and influences of your truth that is taught to us in your word. Thank you for loving us so much to make the way for us to be forgiven and redeemed and saved and to be able to look forward with confidence to a home with you in heaven for all of eternity because you sent your son as our savior. Thank you, Father, so much. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you. Please, Father, we pray, forgive us of our sins and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.